Hey guys, it's Kendra. And this is Jessica. And you're listening to Lucid, Lucid Lab. Lab. It's officially December. It's Christmas season. It's crazy. It always goes so fast. I know it's going to be Christmas before we know it and I'm scared for that, but I'm actually ahead this year on my shopping. <laughs> I did a lot today, like specifically just today. I'm excited for stuff to come in. I'm always in a weird mood when it comes to buying gifts for my daughter because I never know when to stop. I'm the same way. So buying for my child. <laughs> I did that. Okay. This year I said, this is how much money I'm going to spend. And I put it in a little spreadsheet because I'm a dork. Oh, that's and, nice. I should do that. <laughs> and I keep it because I have two kids and yeah. I want to make sure I'm spending the same amount. But I've already hit mm. that budget and I'm like, but I still want to get on more. So then right. I, I keep upping it, which is not good. But we do that every year. Yeah. I feel like you go through the value portion of it versus the quantity of what they should open. And so your brain fudges as you're trying to <laughs> come up with that number or I just see other things and I'm like oh I know they would love that and I want to get right. it for them because it's like this is the one time a year I don't buy my kids a ton of stuff throughout the year so Christmas is always when I can spoil them and both of my kids birthdays I have one right before Christmas and one right after okay yeah so they really do make out like bandits at this time of year but yeah. not good for my pocketbook <laughs> <laughs> but I did find a lot of good sales online so I'm a value shopper I guess <laughs> when it comes definitely to that. me too I do know many things that she wants. Some of them are just unreasonable in general, but I will try to do what I can. Like today I bought her a violin. She's yeah. wanted to learn how to play <laughs> the violin forever, but I grew up playing the viola and mm -hmm. that crap's expensive. It and is. I wasn't ready to commit to it for her yet because she has a lot of different things that she likes. But I found one that was pretty cheap. She doesn't have to take lessons yet. I want to do that, but it's not available in her school. And that's what I'm used to. I'm used to it being available for free. For free. <laughs> and that's how my kids not were. how it is. So. Yeah, both my kids, one played cello and one played viola because yeah. it was in junior high and they got taught how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then if they had really wanted to, neither one of them did. But if they had really fell in love with it, I would have done lessons. But right. Yeah. It's a good thing for them to learn how to read music. It's really good for your brain. I got all the things for it. I already know I'm going to have to replace the strings for it to be correct. Because I had purchased a guitar for her a few years back and I learned that it was more of a play guitar than anything. It yeah. looks like a real one, but it's not exactly up to standard. And I wanted the violin to be real, mm -hmm. but I don't want to pay real money yet. Right. Because <laughs> for all I know, she's going to break it. <laughs> yeah. Or she's just not into it. Yeah. I bought so. my, yeah, I bought my kids guitars. I bought a ukulele and they collect dust. <laughs> so I do feel that she'll be into it because my daughter loves violin music. And that's not normally something children are like, yeah, that's what I want to listen right. to. So, like, Usually well, like, maybe it'll be a thing. I want kids. Well, I don't even know if kids bop is around anymore. Or they're like, I want Taylor Swift. It is. Or... Yeah. And she's not that little kid. A lot of her friends are. They're very much Taylor Swift. They know everything. I remember we went to dinner with Elizabeth and her daughter recently and uh -huh. we were quizzing each other. It was actually really fun. We were all getting to know each other. Uh -huh. It was like four questions and we all had to guess what the answer was. And one of them was, what's my favorite Taylor Swift song? And me and my daughter looked at each other and we're like, I don't even know what one's <laughs> called. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're not like that. We know you are. Yeah, I am Swifty. a Swifty, but I'm not over the top either. Like I'm not buying <laughs> like all of her. I'm not buying merch or oh, anything okay. Okay. online. <laughs> I keep getting hit up on TikTok, I guess, because I've watched some of that stuff and they're like, do you want this shirt? And I'm like, no, no. I do not want that shirt. <laughs> 
yeah but she loves instrumentals so hopefully it'll be a good one yeah hopefully and getting into the mood of Christmas and everything I put up my tree today which I'm really excited about because it's a new tree it's very pretty when you start fresh from things you want to leave in the past (laughs) sometimes that includes the tree and I got a brand new one for us and it's huge I I didn't expect it to be that big but I got it for a really good deal I'm glad it fit sometimes you get a tree like that and you're like oh shit it doesn't fit well thankfully I have a lot of space in this part of my house (laughs) and it has its own wall and it's pretty and my daughter's going to be putting the ornaments on tonight we did the same thing we put up our tree yesterday and we're putting ornaments on tonight too yeah yeah getting into the jolly spirit and I'm excited to hear your episode today because (laughs) I know it's themed and I know nothing about this demon (laughs) is it a hem I was gonna say hem and then I'm like (laughs) yeah it's kind of a hem I only heard about it a few years ago when I watched the movie for the first time. Oh, I guess that'd be more than a few years ago because... When did the movie come out? 2015. Oh, so it's not that old. Not that old. I've never seen it, but now I, after listening to you today, I'm probably going to have to watch it. I bet my kids would be into it if they haven't already watched it. I tried to watch it before you came and it's nowhere right now. I'm sure it will be at some point as we're into December because they unleash those things at some (laughs) point. (laughs) But right now you would have to rent it. But I am taking a step away from Christmas, Christmas, the lights, the presents, the beautiful falling snow, depending on where you are. (laughs) We're going to go to the darker side of Christmas. I'm going into the origins of Santa and Krampus. Wait, does that mean that Santa is a demon too? No, he can't be a demon because he's a saint. Oh, so we've got the good versus evil. (laughs) Of course, we have to have both. We've got the dark and the light. I like it. It's Christmas time and we usually only focus on Santa Claus, but maybe Krampus is just seen as evil because he's mad that nobody celebrates him. I think it's just because it's his job. (laughs) (laughs) To be evil? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We're not going to only cover Krampus, but we're going to talk about some other demons and characters that might accompany Santa. Oh, okay. Krampus, however he came about, was a terrifying thought to children. Okay. If I grew up believing in the duo, I would do everything that I could to be not on Krampus's bad list. So he's like the opposite of Santa. Mm -hmm. Like if you're naughty, Krampus comes to see you instead? Exactly. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. We're going to get into Krampus here in a little bit, but we have to talk about how all of this came to be. So we're going to get into some holiday history. And I think the way that I've put this together, I'm going to get you into the Christmas spirit and then I'm going to rip it out of your hands. (laughs) Awesome. Either way, I know way more about Santa Claus than I thought I would ever know about Santa (laughs) Claus. That's the great part about this podcast. We know way more things about things we never thought we would. Seriously. Christmas is by far the most important holiday for a lot of people around the world. Yep. And I'm not just talking about America's version of Christmas. Christmas all over the world has become important for the economy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's very consumer driven. Most spending for the entire year happens during the holidays. Yes. Without holiday spending, some economies would fail completely. Mm-hmm. In America alone, it is said that Christmas generates $3 trillion. That's crazy. If there is one thing we know how to do here it is to embellish a story that translates into people spending money (laughs) capitalism at its finest i'm no different than anyone else i love to give gifts to my loved ones when i have the means right (laughs) once i had a child of my own though and bills increased over the years i definitely had to focus (laughs) yeah i had to cool it all the way the fuck down yeah (laughs) 
I really didn't want to participate in America's economy this year. I know. To be honest. There's a lot about that. But when you have a child, I'm not going to punish her for my personal opinions. And we've had a rough couple of years. So exactly. She deserves. They a need lot. the joy. Yeah. We have to, you know, shield them mm-hmm. from the horrors that we know are going on in the world and let them be children while they can. Exactly. So jolly old Saint Nick. Yes. What a guy. Today, this fictional grandfather with his pack of reindeers and hardworking elves takes credit for our hard work. (laughs) I know. I was always kind of, I have a beef about that Mm -hmm. because I spent all the money and they liked Santa. Yeah. I was so happy when my daughter decided that Santa wasn't real, which was really early on for a child. Yeah. To be honest, she saw through it right away. Good. She tried to bring it back for just a second. I'm like, no, you're trying (laughs) to get extra. That's not going to happen. Not happening. All came from the same wallet. You know this now. Mm -hmm. All it was was just a gift that wasn't wrapped. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The Santa we know today is very different from his origins, and he goes by many names. Chris Kringle, Papa Noel, Saint Nick, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, etc. The image we have for Santa today was actually created by Coke. Mm Coca-Cola? He's tall with a large plump middle section and luscious white hair, a beard, Mostly thought to be the evolution of St. Nicholas, he's really a culmination of many figures throughout history from all over the world with a modern spin on what he should look like. But yeah, Coca-Cola, the image that we have for Santa is thanks to them. That's kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. When was Coca-Cola? Like, what year is that? Like this early in the 1900s. Yeah. So he wasn't around before that, really. Or not his image. Not that image that right. we all know. Correct. Okay. But we're going back hundreds of years. Oh, so what did he look like before? All kinds of things. <laughs> So it's just different depending on like the culture or whatever. Correct. But we're going to go back specifically to St. Nicholas. Okay. St. Nicholas was a real person. He was born around 270 to 280 AD. Wow. Way, so way, way back. back. He also went by Nicholas of Bari. He was from Myra in Asia Minor, which is Dimra, Turkey today. Oh, okay. He was of Greek descent. He was five foot six, so not quite the Santa height that we know or picture today. Mm-hmm. Some scientists even argue that he was actually even shorter than that, coming in at five feet tall. Wow, that's shorter than me, but <laughs> ancient people were smaller. Maybe he was just a tiny guy. His parents were very wealthy and he was their only child. Lucky him. His parents actually wanted him so badly that for years and years and years they prayed for a child. They visited the church 365 days out of the year asking for him. Wow. They were very devoted Christians. They thought all hope was lost when his mother, Nona, surprisingly got pregnant quite late in life in her later 40s, 50s. I mean, even now that's late in life. He was born, he was baptized by his uncle, who was also named Nicholas. He was a bishop and later became archbishop. Nicholas meant victor of people. And it was quite fitting for who Nicholas grew up to be. Okay. He was a very intelligent young kid. Instead of playing outside and rolling around in the dirt and causing a ruckus, he preferred to read. He was reading as early as the age of five and was already fascinated by theology, philosophy, and religious texts. He avoided activities that most children and adolescents of his age were involved in. He avoided girls. (laughs) (laughs) And he spent most of his day at his uncle's monastery. And his best friends were monks. Okay, well, that very specific little child. And it wasn't because his parents made him. That's what's interesting. It's not like he was forced into that Mm -hmm. because that's usually the case. I don't know. Maybe he was born with this purpose, right? And 
Yeah. So one of the things that I read, I didn't write about it, but when he was born, he was said to have pulled himself up as an infant. Like right after he came standing. out? Yeah. <laughs> he came out of the womb and started dancing. <laughs> and he, as the story goes, he actually pulled himself up and stood for three hours during his baptism. So I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. That's why I left it out originally, <laughs> but it's part of the story. <laughs> they they got to make him into a legend. Mm hmm. Sadly, his parents died when he was a young teenager. They Aww. died from complications from the plague Ouch. or a plague. They spent most of their time doing charity work and helping the diseased and they both contracted it. Aww. And this is the plague of Cyprian. It is not a fact what the plague actually was of the time, but it was believed to be something like Ebola. Ouch. That's a mm-hmm. bad one. Yeah. And we don't know how many people died or passed away at that time either. It's too long ago. Too long ago. But what they do have is written record of the symptoms that everybody was having. And so that's why Ebola, something yeah. like it. So he was then raised by his uncle, the monastery guy, Mm -hmm. and he received a very, very hefty inheritance, but he wasn't interested in money. He sold his family's large home and all their possessions, and he moved into the monastery. Wow. He became the official reader at mass and was inducted into the priesthood. This is when he started his secret habit of gift giving. Hmm, I like this. Not a bad habit like the puka. This is a good (laughs) habit. I'm going to bring that up all the time. (laughs) Of taking children. (laughs) This gift giving habit of his morphed into the Santa that we know today. But other than gifts, he was quite the guy. He was a philanthropist that dedicated his life to helping the disadvantaged Over time, he distributed most, if not all, of his wealth to those in need. Wow. We need a St. Nicholas today. We need lots of those. We've got plenty of billionaires that could do this Mm -hmm. today. Let's just go kidnap them. They give us their passwords to everything, (laughs) and then we'll distribute it. We'll be modern-day Robin Hoods. I would love to. That's our backup plan. (laughs) If so, everyone, if if this podcast doesn't work out, that's what me and Jessica will be doing. You might see us on the news. Arrested. arrested (laughs) In jail. (laughs) Killed. Anywho, while he was a priest, he is said to have rescued three girls that were about to be forced into prostitution. Oh, wow. Good for him. If you were of a certain age back then and you were not married, you were kind of forced into it or were already thought to be one, which made you difficult to marry eventually. So every night for three nights, he left a satchel of 300 gold coins for each of the girls and their father was able to pay a dowry for each of them. Oh, wow. The first night when he tossed the satchel through an open window, it is said to have landed in one of the girls' stockings. Mm. It was drying by a fire, hence the stockings we have today. That's why it was hanging. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it. (laughs) It was drying because it was dirty and wet and gross. And then she (laughs) goes to get her dirty stocking. There's a gift. (laughs) And she's like, I have 300 coins or whatever the third night the father actually waited to catch who was leaving such a generous gift and saving his daughter's futures and that's when he saw nicholas and he gushed and was thanking him and nicholas pleaded with him not to tell anyone that it was him he didn't want to just thank god instead okay and this story is often depicted in christian art with Mm. these three girls i've never heard this story me either Still a young man, he made a pilgrimage to Egypt and Palestine, (laughs) free Palestine. Mm -hmm. He made his way to the Holy Land by ship. The first night he had a vision, and in this vision, there was a terrible storm. When he woke, he warned the sailors that there was an impending storm, but no one believed him at first. But he told them not to worry because they only saw a clear sky. They thought he was crazy. Mm. They're like, you're just taking a trip. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) You paid your dues. It's okay. 
But then the sky started to darken and the storm started. Everyone was panicking and he asked them to just stand still and trust that it will pass. Okay. Only one person did not listen. He shimmied his way up the mast to help secure it from crashing into the boat. And on his way down, he slipped. He hit his head on the deck and he broke his neck. Ouchie. But then Nicholas did something and calmed the waves through his communication with God or something like that. Is this coming from the Catholic Church? Catholic Christianity. Yeah. I was just wondering the stories because some of this sounds like very miraculous. A lot of his entire history is about miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So he rebuked the waves and the storm subsided. It was a miracle. (laughs) Don't feel bad for the sailor, though, who broke his neck, because after the storm stopped, Nicholas went and prayed over his body and he was revived. Mm, Okay. But he asked again for everyone not to say what had happened. He doesn't want to take credit for anything is the point. He stayed in Bethlehem for some time and visited everywhere that Christ was known to have been. Experiencing the place, the people. And while he was in Palestine, he lived in a crypt near Bethlehem. And he wanted to stay there forever, but he knew he couldn't. He liked the crypt. He loved the area, but he had some sort of vision that, no, that's not where you're supposed to be. Good for you to experience it, but you got to go back. (laughs) Get on out. Some say that he lived in this crypt for weeks, but other people say that he was there for about three years. Oh, that's a big difference. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But over this crypt where he was believed to have lived... They built a church of St. Nicholas in Beit Jala, which is in the West Bank. Mm. Look it up. And this entire area is described as a Palestinian Christian town. Right. I'm just going to keep saying it. Palestine. Palestine. We all know this. Yeah. Palestine has Christians. Well, there's people who argue that it's not a real place, was never a real place. So it's all in the Bible. Just go look. Look at your map in your Bible. You don't for get those to of ignore you. it. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who are Christians, look at your Bible. It mm-hmm. says Palestine. It does. When he returned home from his pilgrimage and after some time, he actually earned the title of Bishop of Myra. He was chosen by an elderly bishop to take over for another bishop who had just recently passed. Nicholas was actually reluctant. He didn't want to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Seems to be his MO. He never did, but he ultimately accepted A lot happened after this, including being jailed for almost half a decade during the time of Christian persecution. When was that? I don't even think I know. A long time ago. It's like in the 300s. There are other reputed miracles to his name, including healing limbs for some, reviving other people, exercising demons, and other visions coming true. Overall, he's considered the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, thieves, children, Brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried people, and students in various cities and countries around Europe. He's got a big task there. Damn. Yeah. Well, he did it all. And so that's why he has such a a long (laughs) title. (laughs) Yeah. Say that three times fast. And he may be dead, but he still remains or his remains are still around. He was important enough back then that we still have part of him today. He died at the age of 74. After his death, the people built a church in honor of him in Myra. His body was entombed there, and soon his tomb started to give off a sweet smell and started leaking a mysterious liquid. Okay. It was believed to cure anyone who touched it. (laughs) I wish. Theodosius II, who was a Roman emperor from 402 to 450 AD, built a church in his name. This was over a site where St. Nicholas served as the bishop. His remains were moved there into a sarcophagus. But at some point, some 600 plus years later, a plan was hatched to take his bones. 
His major bones were stolen and they ended up in southern Italy. Uh, why would someone <laughs> steal his bones? Because they're oozing this oh, okay, miraculous yeah, I, liquid. I remember now. Mm-hmm. His major bones are enshrined today in the Basilica of St. Nicholas in Bari, southern Italy. There, his bones still excrete mana. That's what they call it, mana. Okay. Interesting story here. His remaining bones eventually ended up in Venice. Oh, okay. But then he was just shipped off, like pieces of him to different places. Because <laughs> everybody wants a piece of the miracle. Yeah. Small bones here and there. Parts of him are in different locations in Italy, France, Ireland. Like really tiny parts are just like scattered across Western <laughs> Europe. And wherever his bones are, they still weep this liquid. I'm sorry to be laughing. I just, this <laughs> seems so bizarre. Places that have really important pieces also loan them out for a time, kind of like a museum, you know? So like- if, if you're having a hard time, you're like, can I, you know, borrow St. Nicholas's bones for a little bit? <laughs> like, for instance, his ribs were loaned to St. Petersburg, Russia, and there were more than one million people that lined up to see them. Well, his yeah, ribs. If it's oozing miracle fluid. I don't know. To me, it kind of seems wrong to have a saint's remains spread everywhere. I don't like that at all. It sounds wrong. So here's what happened. Because they did that, he's no longer St. Nicholas. He's now Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. He's coming back like, give me my bones back, bro. I guess you just need to not be famous when you die. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, he died so long ago. Poor guy. And it's a yearly event on May 9th, and this is in Bari, that they open it up and collect more mana. They're just using him. I know. Poor (laughs) guy. They mix it with holy water and they put it in these small little vials and you can actually purchase them today. Oh, that's that's so crazy that they would like monetize it. Yeah, so weird. Of course, this mana is heavily critiqued and there are many that do not believe that this is what it is. Count me in that. (laughs) And it's a sham (laughs) propagated by the church. And it doesn't help that one church claimed to have such a vial and it was tested by scientists and it was found to be 13th century old vegetable oil. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, and it was found to be sheep urine or something. (laughs) That's really funny. At least it was 13th century old and it wasn't like today's vegetable oil. Yeah, that's just like cooked somewhere. (laughs) They just went and bought it off the shelf. Yeah. Regardless of the validity of this holy bone liquid. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he said. Belief in veneration of St. Nicholas is definitely, it's sort of a cult. Sounds like it. What his life was like and what he did was all oral tradition Mm. until well past his death. So this is just all stories. I mean, I'm on board with all the good works he was doing Mm -hmm. if he was, you know, giving away his wealth and all that. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm not going to worship him as a cult leader, but all the other stuff sounds like embellishment. Yeah. I mean, I want to believe in miracles. I do too, but I'm too <laughs> I'm too much of a jaded, angry bitch at this point in my I guess life, so. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but how did he become Santa? Yes, how? Well, first, we have to look at how he was celebrated in other ways. He was very special to those at sea, especially among the Greeks and Italians, and he still is. In fact, he is the saint of all saints in Greece. St. Nicholas was seen as Lord of the Sea, which is like this Christianized version of Poseidon. Oh, okay. Within the Eastern Orthodox Church, such as the St. Nicholas Cathedral in Finland, he is celebrated every single Thursday. So he's a big guy in some areas. Sounds like. Most of them celebrate him on St. Nicholas Day. Usually this is on December 6th because that's the day he died. Mm. But that changes depending on where it is being celebrated. For instance, St. Nicholas Day is celebrated on December 19th in Serbia. And it all depends on the type of calendar that they're following and how it translates. 
to the dates that we use now. Gift giving on this day was not only influenced by who he was in his lifetime, but was introduced by nuns in Belgium and France in medieval times. Oh, okay. They would leave baskets of food and clothes anonymously on the doorsteps of those in need. Not only that, they would leave good children a bit of candy and worrisome children Uh a little stick of willow. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't considered to be all-knowing nuns, so it's believed that when it came to the children, it was this sort of agreement or relationship between them and the parents. Oh, like the parents are like, my kid needs a lesson. They need need that little stick. Okay. Like St. Nicholas, the nuns wished to remain anonymous. So when the children asked where such gifts or sticks were coming from, they were told that it was from the spirit of St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The trend of gift giving on St. Nicholas Day started to cross into other regions with children believing that it was from him. It became widespread for children to put their shoes out on St. Nicholas Day to receive these small gifts. St. Nicholas Eve is similar to Christmas Eve, like we know it, mm-hmm. and that children will leave out their shoe, like our stockings, right? and some sort of treat, whether it's like candy, oranges, apples, or nuts will be left there, which turned into trinkets and other memorable gifts. Mm-hmm. It's believed that this was influenced by the Catholic Church, combining the day with the gifts from the three wise men. Okay. And then soon vendors and merchants caught on that it was a good way to... Get people to spend money. Get some money. (laughs) Then sailors, after visiting a church service in remembrance of St. Nicholas, would stop by what were called Nicholas fairs, and they would buy goods and gifts for their loved ones. Today, areas where Christmas is celebrated, gifts still might be given to children on St. Nicholas Day. Okay. And this is because he did a lot to take care of children. So children are a big thing here. Mm -hmm. Legend says that he resurrected three children that were lured in by an evil butcher who then murdered them, cut them up, brined them over several years, and tried to pass them off as ham to sell. That sounds like a Grimm's fairy tale. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Grimm comes into this. Does he really? That's funny. Mm -hmm. Okay. But St. Nicholas found out about this and he went to this butcher and made him confess (laughs) and went to the barrel where the children were all cut up. And he resurrected them. Wow. So that's That's a miracle. Another miracle. (laughs) Did he then shove the butcher into the barrel? That would have been the way to end it. No, because he's nice. I know. I guess. At least he got him arrested or something. But he did become the judge. So soon parents, disciplinarians, priests, and other bishops came up with the idea to use this gift giving day as a way to get the kids to behave. And that spread like wildfire. Makes sense. We're always looking as parents for ways to get our kids to listen, behave. Mm -hmm. Poor St. Nicholas. He took care of kids and then he became someone that others could dress up as on the eve of St. Nicholas Day and scare kids into acting right. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm Nicholas. I'm watching you. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't approve of you, you might get smacked with a branch. Okay. It became tradition. It became a day of judgment, a chance to trick kids into behaving as you wish they would, which is since the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. It's just tricking kids. Santa Claus's image began to take shape with Dutch traditions. St. Nicholas was Santa Claus. So that sounds right. Get it? Like Santa Claus, Santa Claus. But it's Santa Claus. It's S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S. Oh, okay. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. So he's mostly celebrated by the Dutch on December 6th, like when he died, like others, but is known specifically as just the saint of children. Mm-hmm. It's a feast. Santa Claus is more like the Santa we know today. He has really long white hair and a beard. He wears a red cape. 
but like a fancier version. It's more <laughs> traditional bishop's clothing. Okay. And he has a really big fancy gold staff that mm. he carries around. And instead of a sled, he rides on a beautiful white horse. I like that. He carries his famous bag as well as a book that lists children's names and whether or not they have been naughty or nice. Mm. He and his horse still fly and he still goes through chimneys. Okay. It became tradition to leave some carrots or hay in a bowl of water for his horse, which was smart, I think, Mm -hmm. feeding the animal. Right. (laughs) Doing all the heavy lifting. And that's where you'll see the tradition of starting to leave a gift for Santa on Christmas start to form. Santa Claus is accompanied by Zwarte Piet or Black Pete. Black Pete. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is where some lines are crossed. But Black Pete, if you can guess, has dark skin. He's originally believed to be a Muslim from Spain. Mm. And people today dressing up as him or used to color their faces. They would do black face. Oh, no. Yeah. This was to illustrate tradition. It was actually only in recent times that certain areas pulled their civilians to see if they thought it was racist or not. Uh, It is. (laughs) In 2020 in the Netherlands, it was finally abandoned. So this is recent. So what was Black Pete's purpose to be with Santa Claus or Santa Claus? Yep, we're going to talk about that. Black Pete is colorfully dressed. He carries a bag of candy for the children and he also has a birch rod. To beat them? Or a chimney sweep. (laughs) Made of willow branches, and it is used to spank naughty children. Oh, man. In some stories, these naughty children were put in Black Pete's bag and were taken away to Spain <laughs> as punishment. But this punishment wasn't always done by Black Pete. It used to be Santa Claus who would punish the children. Before Black Pete came into the picture, children would fervently and fearfully read scripture for hours on end on December 5th. Someone from the family would dress up as Santa Claus, sit them down one by one, and while smacking a birch branch on their hand, they would quiz a child. (laughs) If they answered a question right, they were given sweets or oranges. So oranges were like an expensive thing. Apparently, yeah, that was a big deal. If they answered wrong, they were smacked on the hands or their behind with a branch. They had to pass overall, or it meant damnation of their souls. God, guys, like, (laughs) damn, it's not that heavy. (laughs) This was known later as the catechism interrogation. This trickery went a little too far sometimes. You think? Black Pete is thought to have come about as the popularity of Santa Claus grew, because how could he possibly keep tabs on so many children and be at so many places at one time? So Black Pete was his helper? Yeah. Black Pete came really into existence to be his assistant so that he could study the children and report back to him. Okay. But eventually he became the one that just doled out the punishment so that Santa Claus could just be the nice guy. <laughs> and children learned to fear Black Pete instead of Santa or okay. Santa Claus. This is a bad trope, too, that has been since the dawn of time, right? Mm-hmm. The black person is now the bad person and you've got your kids afraid anytime they would see a black person. Like, that's pretty fucked up. This is a long time ago and he is the only one. But yes, Black Pete, along with other supernatural little people, were associated with St. Nicholas during the 16th and 17th centuries, eventually leading to the invention of Santa's helpers or the elves. elves. One example being that of the Tomta of Sweden. These were tiny, tubby, gnome-like creatures that would Mm -hmm. hide in crawl spaces of homes. They had long white beards and pointed red caps. They were protectors of animals from evil spirits, but they also had a part in Christmas. In mid-December, once families were asleep, they would climb out of their hiding places and hide treats and trinkets all over the house. So it was this sort of big old treasure hunt for families. So they're like elf on the shelf, only they're elf in the crawl spaces. (laughs) Yeah. 
but they were also very temperamental. And if provoked, the tomtit would become agitated and those people would become targets of pranks and very bad luck. Mm. And they also kind of morphed into St. Nicholas Santa-like figures called Nice. Nice. Nisa. Nisa. Those pesky little gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> that would scare me. If there was like a grown ass little baby gnome at my feet right now yelling at me or like pinching me, I'd be scared. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I do not want to see that running around my house. But what about our Christmas tree and presents under the tree? Why is it celebrated on the 24th and 25th of December now in most areas? Yeah. So this is particularly due to the decline of the St. Nicholas gift giving movement of 1517. Okay. With the Protestant Reformation. Oh, okay. So moving away from Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Catholics were criticized for their veneration of saints. And with the rise of Puritism in Europe and the Industrial Revolution, Christmas, as it was later called, was dismissed as Catholic ignorance and deception and not knowing what true religion was. <laughs> okay. In Protestant territories, St. Nicholas celebrations were outlawed. They knew that this would be difficult to enforce, so new characters were created to fill the gap. Mm, okay. Martin Luther, who was a Protestant teacher and monk, came up with Christ Kindling or Christ Kind. It was essentially a chubby, childlike toddler with wings. That's weird. Who would do St. <laughs> Nicholas's job. People didn't buy it. Yeah, I don't want to see that showing up at my house. And they were just replacing one character with another. Yeah. So. It did last for a while, though. In some areas, instead of a flying baby, it was a wingless cloaked girl with a deer carrying a basket with treats and toys. Or she herself was pushing a wheelbarrow of goodies. That would take a really long time. <laughs> yeah, that's not believable. Come on. <laughs> And it was then, whether it was the flying baby or the girl, when December 24th into the 25th was chosen as it was the last day of the advent. The flying baby reminds me of Allie McBeal, that dancing baby. For some reason, that's all I can see. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, that's like a that stored memory. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> well, presents were put under evergreen trees adorned with lighted candles. So this is where we have our Christmas trees starting to come in. Okay. To stop children from trying to catch a glimpse of this gift giver, parents used trickery again by telling them that Christ Kindle would skip houses of nosy kids. Mm. So we've just always been lying to our kids from That's, the yep. beginning of time. Hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> it's a tradition. Yep. It would be no presents for you. Only when parents rang a bell could the children leave their rooms and run to the tree to see what presents there were. I like that tradition. Let's start that. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminds me of Betty and Barney Hill because he said that his parents would tie their oh, yeah. room shut <laughs> so that they couldn't see. I remember my dad sleeping on the couch right next to the tree to make sure we didn't get up. I would sleep by the tree and my parents still got away with it. Because <laughs> kids sleep so yeah. hard, yeah. The tradition of having a tree in the home was picked up in other areas in the 17th century, but instead of standing upright in a living room, trees were actually hung from the ceiling and adorned with fruit, nuts, and strips of colored paper. Interesting. Hung from the ceiling. This was common in parts of Austria and Germany, and the Christmas tree as we know it today didn't start to find its popularity until another century or so. Okay. But the idea of the St. Nicholas or a version of him being the bearer of gifts continued to crop up around the world despite its ban in Protestant areas. Mm -hmm. In Britain, it wasn't St. Nicholas. It was Father Christmas or Old Christmas. He was also banned for a time. They like to ban things that are fun. <laughs> Always. They're like, you are having too much joy in your life. Get back to church. We had Santa Claus, as we discussed, Père Noel in France, and the list goes on. 
As the tradition of some man or saint or God bringing gifts expanded throughout the world, all started to merge together. They all had similarities. Be good and the rod will be spared. (laughs) (laughs) What will it be? Gifts or punishment? Yeah. And it never hurt to offer up something to help appease him or it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it be food or liquor. Eventually, in a lot of areas all over the world, all of these versions morphed into Santa Claus over hundreds of years with the exchange of customs and stories across land and cultures. Santa Claus with his reindeer and elves is just the most modern version. version. I wonder what it'll be in another hundred years. (laughs) Well, it's also easier for kids to like instead of beatings or being taken to jail or... Yeah, now we just say a lump of coal or you're not going to get a gift. We don't say anything about And those are just like the really, really mean parents that will do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But how did it end up in America? We do live here. So let's talk about that for a second. Santa Claus, as we know him, was created in America. His influences came to us through New York because of Dutch farmers with the early settlement of the Hudson Valley, and it transformed from there, finding its way back overseas to further transform traditions that started it. So it was this back and forth of things. Mm -hmm. It was in New York that St. Nicholas was written about with a wagon that parked on top of homes. Okay, a wagon. (laughs) St. Nicholas was also celebrated in Pennsylvania, but it was in 1823 that a poem titled A Visit from St. Nicholas was published in the New York Sentinel, first anonymously, but then later attributed to Clark Clement Moore. And this is our Twas the Night Before Christmas. Okay. And where our story of the sleigh, reindeer, Santa's image, and his jolly attitude come from. It was the creativity of a man who wrote it on a snowy winter day while on a sleigh on a shopping trip. (laughs) And just because I want to, I'm going to read the poem. Okay. Because it gave me some joy when I was reading it, (laughs) writing this episode, and knowing when it was written, and knowing that it was our first account of Santa as we know him today. And I didn't know that. This poem is not just a poem. It influenced Christmas as we know it. And it takes me back to the magic of Christmas as a child. It really does. So indulge me for a moment because I haven't been in the Christmas spirit for several years. Agreed. (laughs) Really. I've been kind of a bah humbug Scrooge. Yeah. I've done what I could do to make it magical for my daughter, but it's lost its twinkle for me a long time ago. But this poem helped. And I know a lot of you know this story, but let's read it anyway. Here it goes. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there was a rose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter." Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of a new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Dunder and Blitzem. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. 
And then in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He was smoking? Yeah, Santa (laughs) used to be a smoker. (laughs) He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, he drove out of sight, happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. (laughs) <laughs> so it's similar to our Twas the Night Before, but there's a few changes to what really, we heard today. The main changes are Donner and Blitzen, because mm-hmm. when it was originally written, it was Dunder and Blitzen. Hmm. Their names changed at some point to either better rhyme yeah. or match English of the time. Probably. I and I don't remember the part about him having a pipe in his mouth. I don't either. I don't even know if I've ever heard the entire thing read yeah. before. <laughs> And there's some controversy as to whether or not Moore is the true author of this poem. Some say it was another man by the name of Henry Livingston Jr. Hmm. But either way, its impact can't be minimalized because it created literally everything we use today in America. Absolutely. The sleighs, the reindeer. Reindeer didn't exist with Santa prior to this poem. And it's just a poem. It's just some guy in his imagination Mm -hmm. who would have known. Who would have known. And don't worry about Rudolph. He makes an appearance over a century later. In 1939, <laughs> with a little song. Yes, and now that's that's Christmas. That's just part of Christmas. I love Rudolph. Yeah, it's just crazy how things come about. Mm-hmm. It's how just, they just catch on because they preferred that. They wanted a Santa like that, mm-hmm. not like the Santa that. I mean, we still have the whole "be good, right, naughty or nice" list, but mostly it's a celebration. It's not, yeah, this other stuff to be like, wow, this is a great time to punish, to punish children. The children. <laughs> But enough about that. We can see how Santa Claus came to be. It was a long, long road. Mm-hmm. He went from being this saint of miracles in the third or fourth century right, to being the magical Tim Allen. Crazy. I love Tim Allen. He's my favorite Santa. Is he? Yeah, always will be. I grew up on that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how old I was, but he's always played a really good Santa. I mean, I grew up with the older, I'm a little bit older than you, so Santa Claus was after I was a teenager, so like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be like Miracle on 34th Street Santa Claus or the one from Rudolph the Red-Nosed reindeer that was always my favorite holiday movie the little claymation yeah Yeah. okay but what about krampus yeah let's go to the dark side yeah we're done with the fluffy stuff (laughs) so krampus or krampus people say it both ways and depending on the location he goes by a lot of other names as well but the origin of krampus it's muddy many different areas and people claim to have been the birthplace of krampus But I would say that the Duchess Black Pete is a really good start. That would make sense if he was, yeah, the punishment Mm -hmm. guy. 
And really, like we learned with Brothers Grimm, where stories start, it can be unclear. Right. Like how they're carried over to different countries and how it translates across these different cultures and languages. The same goes with Santa. Not everyone, depending on where they are, is going to credit the origin of Santa to St. Nicholas. Mm -hmm. Krampus is actually thought to date back to pre-Christian times, but there's no written record of him until the 16th century. Okay. Still a while. Mm -hmm. That's a big difference. Big jump. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of movies about Krampus. Horror movies. (laughs) (laughs) They're not like Little Claymation and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer (laughs) Krampus. We mentioned the one. It came out in 2015. It was just called Krampus Mm -hmm. and it had Tony Collette in it. And I've always loved her. Yes. She has such a wide range of roles and things that she can do. Yeah. Yeah. Hereditary was crazy. Oh, that was a good one. I made her watch it. I made Kendra watch it one night. And strangely enough, I remember watching that for the very first time during Christmas. Okay. I was wrapping presents. All I had on was the Christmas tree. And I was wrapping presents by myself in the dark. Everyone watching else was asleep. <laughs> and I watched Hereditary for the first time. And yeah, that scared me. It's a good movie. It's a creepy movie, but it had really good jump scares. And I yes, love when movies do that. I love that. it. But anyway, Krampus is scary. And he, the version in that movie, he's a very scary Krampus. Okay. So go watch it. I will. <laughs> Now, with some versions of Krampus, also called the Christmas Devil Mm. or the Demon Anti-Santa, he is accompanied by St. Nicholas. They went hand in hand. Oh. Like Black Pete, Krampus is St. Nicholas's evil counterpart. (laughs) He is known to accompany St. Nicholas on the evening prior to St. Nicholas Day, or as some call it, Krampus Day, Mm. formerly known as Krampusnacht. St. Nicholas shows up for the good kids and Krampus shows up for the bad kids. (laughs) He's like, is this where the Grinch came from? I wonder. The Grinch is kind of Krampus. Yeah, that's true. Then he turned green. It's like the kids version of Krampus. (laughs) That is very true. But Krampus has evolved over time as well, just like Santa, into something from a very bad nightmare. Mm. Not just handing out a flip of a switch to naughty children, but something much worse. Krampus, if you haven't heard of him and can't imagine him, Krampus is this very large hairy goat human hybrid Mm. or he's like this half goat, half demon. Yeah, sounds hot. (laughs) (laughs) Three times the size of a man. He's usually black or brown. He has a somewhat human head that looks like Satan. Mm -hmm. He has a very long face and a pointed chin. These unblinking yellow eyes, large goat horns, and a very long forked tongue. He has razor sharp teeth and fangs, goat legs, cloven hooves. He also has razor sharp claw-like nails. Okay. You know, those are always fun. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you see him, he might have one human leg and one goat leg, which to me is really scary. (laughs) That'd be really hard to walk on. (laughs) Right? Seriously. He'd be like hobbling. He'd have to have a giant human leg <laughs> because he's very tall. Either way, I don't want to run but into yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be even creepier. <laughs> it looks like he's like patched together. Like, you're not done transforming. <laughs> he's often depicted draped in chains. That would be hard to walk around in. And these chains that he drags around are thought to be from early Christian times, symbolizing the binding of the devil. Of the or devil. Whatever. Yeah. He thrashes the chains around, dragging them, something you might hear clanking against the floor when he's on his way to get you. <laughs> so he's he's not good at the surprise. <laughs> you know he's coming. I know, but that's part of it. And in some versions, the chains have bells on them. Mm, so you think it's the sleigh with the reindeer. Oh, that's so scary, though. And instead, it's goat human man. 
that actually makes me shiver. That's if I'm like creepy. in my bed and I hear ting, ting, and then <laughs> the chains, that's scary. <laughs> Although not always depicted in this way, a child might end up on the end of one of those chains. Oh, that's creepy. As he drags them away. With his tongue, he is said to leave this slimy, foul-smelling trail of saliva in his path. Yuck, dude. (laughs) And it is with this tongue that, with one taste, he can determine a child's nature. If they're good or bad. Mm -hmm. So he has to lick you? Ew. (laughs) I'm like, trust me, I'm good. (laughs) Not a kid anymore. You're good. (laughs) He keeps a basket or a bag with him, like Santa. He Mm -hmm. has his own bag, but it's for something else. Not good. He smells of burnt coal and sulfur. And despite his horrid appearance, he is apparently very well spoken, which makes him even scarier to me. <laughs> very intelligent, well spoken okay. demon. He's read some books. Well, sir, you taste like shit. So <laughs> now I must I'm put you in you. my bag and chain you up. Sorry. He also has a whip or a bundle of branches to beat children with, like Black Pete. Nice. In addition to the chains and bells, you might hear the whistle or crack of the whip and branches like through the air. Mm. And he will also throw some of the children in his sack or basket and take them away. But instead of just taking them somewhere, he might eat them later or drown them or take them to hell. So So maybe he's also licking them to see if they taste good. Maybe. For later. A midnight snack. Possibly. (laughs) He said drown him or drag him to hell too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's far more than this seasonal boogeyman. Yeah. You're not just going to get a spanking. No. <laughs> quite more severe mm-hmm. of a punishment. <laughs> As the story goes, Krampus doesn't just automatically take and eat children, depending on their crimes. There are different levels to his punishments. Mm. If the offense isn't too bad, he might just smack you around a little bit with a birch rod. <laughs> if you are a repeat offender, he'll pick you up with his tongue and put you in the sack and take you back to his evil lair which is either a remote alpine cave or the underworld. (laughs) One or the other. (laughs) And he'll keep you captive there for at least a year. Uh. But for the most abominable of children, they endure a series of painful and grisly tortures. Think Hannibal Lecter. How bad can you be as a child? I know. Pretty innocent. That's the whole point, right? We're innocent. (laughs) Yeah. He takes his time taking pieces of them, Mm. savoring each piece, limbs, ears, eyes, slicing open their bellies, eating their innards slowly while they're alive. Ouch. And he loves their cries and pleads for mercy. But unlike Santa's ability to eat every cookie and drink every glass of milk left out for him, (laughs) Krampus does not have an endless belly. So he can't eat all the children that he wants. He has to be very selective. He can only eat so much. So some of the children are actually lucky and are simply shoved off the edge of a mountain and drowned. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that might be better than being eaten alive. Alive. I don't know. We can't say that they're actually lucky because death's just part of it. Then their souls are sent to the lake of fire for eternal damnation and torture. Who made this up? These are kids. (laughs) They can't be damned to hell. That's the rule. People were crazy back then. I can't imagine saying telling your child (laughs) about this to my daughter. Your kid would never sleep again. (laughs) Never, ever sleep again. I wouldn't sleep again as an adult if you said something like this could happen. Shit. Oh, well, if I grew up believing it, too. Yeah. Hmm. that's. I mean, he's pretty fucking scary. He's like next level. He's scarier than the devil. Yeah. The devil just seems like a guy who wants to get even on something. Right. <laughs> this guy's different. Ugh. But he only goes out once a year. So what Good. does he do for the rest of the year? <laughs> Plus. Well, 
Santa's elves are very busy making all of our toys. Yes. But Krampus is busy creating new torture devices for his children. <laughs> Does he have little minions that help him? Doesn't sound like it. It's it just him like, on his own. Yeah. He's got like his little workshop to make his torture chamber. Mm-hmm. Yep. Takes a year to get that ready. It does. I mean, he gets <laughs> bored easily. <laughs> so understandably, in some areas, it became very important to keep Krampus happy. Still in some places today, although it has been going on for a really long time. And it's actually thought to be the precursor to the elf on the shelf that you mentioned. Oh. Parents leave gold painted birch rods in areas all over the house year round to For remind oh. children of Krampus oh. coming. Man, this had to have been, I don't know where you if you said where Krampus was, but this just sounds like something in the German, Austrian, <laughs> the Grimm Brothers. Yep, this is all part of that area. It has to be, mm-hmm. yeah. Not only should children behave year-round, but on this day, Krampus night, families were to feast and leave baskets of food and wine for him by the fire or near a door. The wine was later replaced by schnapps. Somehow, over time, that became his favorite drink. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) left it for him one year, and he's like, this is what I want now. This is yummy. (laughs) But if you woke the next morning to see the basket empty and the cup dry, then that means that the children of that house were spared. Okay. But really, their parents were just drinking all the schnapps. Probably. (laughs) They're like, crap. Just remember to wake up later and give gifts. (laughs) They're all hung over on the couch. The kids are like, we're safe. (laughs) Parents are like, don't talk so loud. (laughs) Or they found them with the food in their mouth. (laughs) Like the schnapps, like poured down there. (laughs) The combination of St. Nicholas and Krampus are very prevalent in the Alpine regions, like we just said. Okay. This includes Austria, France, Germany, Italy, Liechtenstein, Monaco, Slovenia, and Switzerland. Krampus, in some form, was already established in pagan traditions, but became intertwined with Catholicism. But before St. Nicholas became part of the equation, where did Krampus come from? Yeah. Because they're saying quite a long time ago. Well, there are theories. First, Krampus is thought to be a derivative of Krala. Okay. A Germanic term for claw or from the Bavarian word Krumpen, which alludes to something that is withered, wiltered, or void of life. Either way, Mm -hmm. historians connect Krampus to the concept of death. Mm -hmm. One theory is that Krampus is a version of the Norse goddess Hel or Hela. I've heard of her. She was the youngest daughter of the shape-shifting trickster god Loki and his giantess Angerboda. She reigns over Helheim, the underworld of the dead. Hela is described as having a half-beautiful and half-rotting body with maggots (laughs) and worms coming out of her flesh. Poor thing. (laughs) She was hard to look at. And thought to be the inspiration for Krampus's half-demon, half-goat appearance. Okay. She was not always that way. Her father was the reason that she looked like that. He put her through a ritual in which he bound her and submerged part of her body into a freezing lake. Asshole. He left her for days, and when he returned, he gave her this potion that salvaged the half of her body that was not submerged. Mm. So she's horribly disfigured, but this is what gave her the power to see into the world of the dead. Okay. Which also connects her to Krampus as he comes into the land of the living and can drag the children back to hell. So Helheim was a place for those who died of disease and old age, but also for the wicked and helpless souls. (laughs) It was her job to make sure that these souls did not escape Helheim. But at other times, she would leave Helheim on her three-legged winged pet stallion who is just called Hell Horse, during times of outbreaks, plagues, disease, or war. And using a rake or staff, she would take people back to Helheim. Again, similar to Krampus, just taking people back. 
Although his taste was for misbehaving children, not just all people. Randos. Yeah. <laughs> it is also thought that Hella's horse served as part of Krampus's half goat appearance as well. Both are also not seen as being evil by choice, but rather that it's their job. Okay, that was their station in life. Yeah. <laughs> Some even say that Krampus could be the grandson of Loki. Possible. He spends 364 days a year in Helheim and only emerges to snatch up misbehaving children and bring them back. Another theory is that he is the descendant of an alpine pagan goddess, Frau Perchta, an ancient Yuletide witch. Sometimes thought to be the same Germanic goddess as Holda, or possibly just her cousin. She has many different names depending on the region. Either way, both of these ladies hold the role of guardian of the beasts during the 12 days of Christmas. Perchta was a shapeshifter who was either a beautiful maiden or a hag. (laughs) But no matter what she looked like, you could always tell that it was her because she had a hideous oversized foot. (laughs) Even when she was gorgeous. (laughs) She had hideous feet. Don't look at my feet. (laughs) Probably couldn't wear any shoes. (laughs) On the 12th day, she would reward or punish children. She would oversee spinning as well. Spinning of yarn was a big thing back then. Okay. On her day, she expected people to take the day off from work and spend quality time together to eat some fish and gruel and just have a good day. If you didn't do that, she got mad, I guess. (laughs) She's like, I told you to relax. Damn it. At night, she would climb in through windows and go to each sleeping person's bedside. She was the judge, jury, and executioner for adults and children. Mm -hmm. If you were well-behaved and had worked hard all year, not including the day she wanted you to hold sacred, she would leave a silver coin in your shoe or in a pail. If she decided that someone was bad, she would cover their mouths to muffle their screams and would slice open their stomachs take out their guts, and stuff them with straw, pebbles, and garbage, and sew them back up. Wow, that's a bit extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Even more horrifying is that the children were reminded of her again and again and again, especially lying children. Children who lied were often warned that if they lied again, she would come by at night to cut their tongues with glass, and if they did it again, repeat offenders would also lose their tongues altogether. Wow, a little more harsh than, like, soap in your mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you were good, unlike Krampus, she would do something nice for you. So it is held that Krampus was influenced by her ugly half. Right. These areas had what was called Perchtenlaufen. Perchtenlaufen is a crazy folk custom from the 16th century, mostly found in the Tyrol region of Central Europe. It involves two groups of locals that fight each other with wooden canes and sticks. The groups are called Masked Perchten, the beautiful Shown Perchten, and the ugly Shiash Pershtun, or translated beautiful souls and ugly souls. Wow. The How do per- they pick who goes where? <laughs> you get to be beautiful this year. It's probably the people's choice, <laughs> which reflects who they are. I was going to say, cool, you think I'm an ugly soul. The Pershtun, the beautiful, and the ugly were considered to be her entourage, reflecting her two sides. The beautiful Pershtun brought luck and wealth to the people. You can imagine what they look like. They were just pretty. Right. Pretty creatures. Creatures you wouldn't mind running into. While the ugly Perchton, who drove away bad spirits and demons, so they did good things, were depicted as hairy horned beasts with human torsos, legs of a goat or horse, and lovely mouths with rows of razor sharp teeth. Hmm. So there are similarities for Krampus here. Yeah. The Perchton Laufen is similar to a wild hunt, if you've heard of it. 
Wild hunts or wild jogs are essentially a supernatural spiritual war, which would come before war or an outbreak of an infectious disease. So it was a precursor to something happening. The leader of wild hunts are often associated with the Norse god Odin or some other historical or legendary figure. Backing them up, their hunters are portrayed as the undead, fairies, valkyries, or elves. When a wild hunt is underway, all the living need to run or hide or get off the streets or they could become part of the fight, Mm. dragged to the underworld or abducted into the fairy world. You could just die by being witness to it. So if you just saw it happen to be in the wrong place the wrong time. I'm just imagining it. You're standing on the street and all of a sudden you see all these ghosts running (laughs) towards you with axes. You got You're like, shit. (laughs) People would put black cloths over their windows so that they wouldn't see it. Mm -hmm. And if they did, their souls could be pulled away, taken to the underworld or made to fight. Interestingly enough, these wild hunts were developed by Jacob Grimm Okay, when comparing different myths. So he didn't create them, but he gave it a name in his book, Deutsch Mythology in 1835. It is said that the locals started to dress up during winter solstice to portray these different characters as a way to blend in during the procession of supernatural <laughs> beings. This has a lot of similarities to Samhain in a way, mm-hmm. listening to this. yeah. Yep. Perchta and her entourage are said to come out twice a year. Once during the 12 days of Christmas and another on her feast day, which is January 6th. So although some consider her and Krampus to be the same thing, their days are a month apart. Right. And others just consider her to possibly be Krampus's romantic companion. Oh, okay. It's At least the Lord. Gets something. <laughs> it's the Lord and Lady of the Underworld. <laughs> yep. Some argue that the idea of Krampus came from Shiite Perchten specifically, as locals would wear full body suits fashioned out of dyed sheep pelts or goat skins covered with dark hair, which would look like filthy mangy fur. Mm-hmm. They wore elaborately carved heavy wooden painted devilish masks with horns, fangs, and protruding tongues. They also accessorized with dangling belts and switches. Okay. Some of the devil masks did not have ears, and this is thought to be intentional, suggesting that the devil characters did not hear the screams of their victims. Hmm. But which came first? Krampus or these people dressing up as whatever? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Goat men, devil, whatever. Sounds fun. (laughs) The Perchtenlauf is still celebrated in some areas today. Maybe not as crazy as it once was, but it's still pretty out there. It starts as a parade, locals dress up, and the costumes are wild. I'll post some pictures of these. Oh, cool. And it takes a long time to make, months, sometimes the entire year again, leading up to the event. And then the festival turns into this chaotic, devilish night celebration with fires lit in the middle of towns. Devils are stomping and performing. Smaller little devils roam the crowds and smear coal on people. (laughs) And where is this celebrated? Central Europe? Uh, Parts. So like Tyrol, Austria, parts of Germany, parts of Italy. Okay. But being smeared with coal is better than being randomly attacked because that's what they used to do. Oh, And they still do that in particular areas. (laughs) The energy is supposed to be unlike anything else and something really difficult to describe. And I really do want to go to one of these someday. Like I said, when you see the pictures, it just looks like a wild night. Wild Nothing time. we would see here. Really, mm-hmm. I don't think so. The Perchtenlaufen was an earlier version of Krampuslauf, or what we know today as Krampus runs. Okay. Krampus runs have been around for a very long time, at least 500 years, and they used to be very rowdy and dangerous. Young men dress up as Krampus and run amok. 
<laughs> women used to too and like have their breasts out or something wow it started as a way to keep children in line members of families would dress up as krampus they'd put on chains and have their birch whips and they'd run through the streets really loudly scaring children and adolescents even the well-behaved children that were already in their beds would be like shivering under their uh, sheets. This sounds horrifying. <laughs> like trauma, childhood trauma right there. This also became a time for the Krampuses to get really, really drunk. <laughs> it's kind of like a Halloween in December. Yeah. And it was something that a lot of people looked forward to. <laughs> and that led to the rowdy Krampus runs and it evolved from there. Pedestrians caught on the street might get roughed up or become part of the chaos if they didn't get out of the way in time. Some are attacked or shaken up by the Krampuses. It is the intention of them to scare people. So that's their job. Right. It is customary to offer Krampuses some schnapps, like I said, to appease them. Mm -hmm. So not only are these men like releasing what I assume is their scary, wild, like violent energy for the year for one night. You're getting them extremely drunk that from like house to house. I'm hiding if I'm a woman in that area. Seriously. Like, seriously, that sounds and really dangerous. And everybody's in masks. Yeah. Oh, God. That's like, yeah. Scary. A, a horrible scenario. Some of this has calmed down, but that depends on where you go okay. in the world. I think more secluded towns take it a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. In 2013 in East Tyrol, resulting from this event, eight people ended up in the hospital, mostly with broken bones. Mm. And there were 60 people that were treated with various injuries, and that included children. Oh, that's horrible. So if you want to go, just be prepared to get roughed up or just keep your distance. <laughs> I will not be going. Even if you go and it seems like a cool event... There are a couple of them that use it as an excuse to, to be horrible, horrible people. Probably, <laughs> they probably travel there just to. It would get be to a really unique experience if it was just for the culture. As long as mm-hmm. I had like my pepper spray or a stun gun with me. What is your pepper spray going to do on a mask? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, stun gun. <laughs> taser. <laughs> it has to be the taser one, the one that's like a stick, yes. so you could reach through the costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Krampus is also thought to be an offshoot of a house-dwelling spirit or mythical sprite. Okay. And this is a cold bold. That's what it's called. Often depicted as the size of a small child mm-hmm. or similar to the tomta I mentioned earlier. They might help with domestic chores and tend to animals. I want if, one. <laughs> if happy with you, they'll hide coins and valuables around your house. If not, it would harass you and subject you to horrible pranks. I don't want one. One of them I heard was just constantly ripping the sheets off of children's beds. Oh, little assholes. (laughs) Some are thought to be connected to specific people since their birth, and it was our job to keep them happy. So you had to (laughs) keep them happy your entire life. They would dedicate shrines to them in specific areas of their Mm -hmm. home, offering food, drink, sometimes even blood sacrifices. So it's like a guardian gremlin instead of a guardian angel. You yeah. just have this little, <laughs> that would be annoying. And he lives in your house and does <laughs> shit to you. <laughs> but depending on the region, these spirits were various shapes and sizes. Anything from this little elf dude to a really large beast. Certain types of kobolds, those that are more sinister and thought by some to be the influence for Krampus, for them, silly pranks were not enough. Instead, they would hack off your limbs. What? (laughs) They're hard to please. And if you continued to offend them, they might just throw all of you into a fire or light your house on fire with you in it. Wow. There's so many threats. (laughs) 
of these How did these people like ever do anything? I would just be afraid my whole life. I know. Living back in these times. At what point when you're a child do you become in the know? Yeah. Like, is it like Santa where you're like 10 and you're like, well, I don't believe in this anymore. So you can't kill me and take me to the underworld and hack off my limbs and stuff (laughs) me with straw and pebbles. That's why these children were so quiet and like well behaved and would go like into the coal mines and shit back in the day because they were afraid of gremlins and Krampus. Did they choose one child to sacrifice every year so that it happened at some point? Yeah. That's scary. Anywho, some Wiccans claim that the origin of Krampus is the progeny of the horned god of the witches who was born at winter solstice. Okay. This horned god predated the notion of Satan. Hmm. I believe that. Yep. They claimed he served as the inspiration of the duality of Krampus's appearance. Wiccans say that the devil for Christians only received his wings and horns and hooves in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, he was not depicted in that way. And it is true that Krampus mostly resembles that of a horned god, the witches, out of everything else. It okay. looks like that. The birch branch he carries is also important to the initiation rites for certain witch covens. The chains, on the other hand, they do believe was just introduced by the Christian church as mentioned before, to represent that Krampus was actually bound to hell. Mm. This is interesting. Some zoologists simply question if Krampus is actually just an animal that's lost to us. A very (laughs) evasive, unrecognizable species that only a few people have seen in the wild, like Bigfoot. Could be. And like the puka, he just has a very bad habit of (laughs) snatching and snacking on children. It happens. Maybe it is just a puka that made it over to Austria from Ireland. And grew to a huge size. He ate a lot of children. He did. He grew. (laughs) So, and they also think that his tongue was actually very useful. So if you're thinking of him as an animal, Mm -hmm. that he could quickly just wrap his tongue around the children to snatch them and carry them away. It's like a frog tongue that like snaps out real quick and catches the fly. But it acts like a snake. It goes. (laughs) I know. I'm like picturing it. But if Krampus is so old, as mentioned, thought to be predating Christianity, mm-hmm. how did he end up becoming part of Christian stories? True. And why is he St. Nicholas's buddy now? <laughs> well, due to the Roman conquest in the 4th century AD, many Germanic tribes were converted to Christianity. All these Romans changing all these tribes. <laughs> But those more remote tribes in the Alps were able to circumvent mainstream and hold on to their traditional beliefs. This allowed for the evolution of their customs, and if you believe that Krampus came from them, then the evolution of Krampus. Yeah. Krampus started as an image only in people's minds. It was all oral tradition passed down by storytellers for centuries, and as time passed, eventually he started to take physical shape. Everybody thought of Krampus a little bit different, but there were some similarities, and eventually we see this cohesive image of him Mm -hmm. born, the Krampus we know today. Still embellished upon, depending on the artist's imagination and through different art mediums. But as St. Nicholas morphed into Santa, so did his evil partner. Mm -hmm. The yin and yang of holiday stories, the good and the bad, the holy and the demonic. And what a better way to scare children into obedience during their lifetime than to introduce them to Krampus. Right. The threat of the devil and hell are one thing. 
But that's something they didn't experience until death. Mm-hmm. But if there was something that could judge their behavior on a continuous basis, then maybe that'll set them straight. Yep, every year. And apparently in parts of Germany and Italy and Austria, it was your job to just scare your kids <laughs> right? every day. They lived in complete fear and would do whatever you wanted. So crazy. So, yeah, their relationships were quite different with their kids. And what's scary about that, too, is it sounded like all of these parents had Krampus suits in their closet. That's even more (laughs) fucked up. And then (laughs) could you imagine you're a child that happens to go into your parents' closet and you find like the fuzzy goat devil mask? And then one of your parents are just drunk one day and they go put it on and they're walking around the house and you get up to go to use the restroom or something. (laughs) I thought he only came once a year. (laughs) Oh, that's scary. So Krampus came to America with Dutch and Germanic immigrants based in Pennsylvania, Indiana, and Maryland. Krampus was not Krampus yet here. So first, what came over was Pelsnickel. He went by other names too, but he was a fuse of St. Nicholas and Krampus in a way, both rewarding and punishing children. We see this with most of the characters that I've talked about so far. So Uh they're either one or the other or both. But this is different because he wasn't portrayed as a beast. He was a man. Okay. He was a disheveled looking man. He wore furs and dirty torn clothing. He's just a homeless guy on the street. (laughs) (laughs) But he would wear deer antlers on his head or some kind of makeshift crown of branches and other foliage. Any visible skin that he had, he smeared with charcoal. And sometimes he was wearing a creepy hand carved and painted wooden mask, similar Mm. to the outfits that we know for Krampus and other areas. On the other hand, he might disguise himself as a hag with a scraggly wig and women's clothing. Okay. And in those areas, he was called the Christmas woman or the Christmas witch. He would stalk the streets in Dutch or German American communities for bad children. Good kids, of course, would receive food or socks, mittens, and trinkets. Bad children, he would swat them with birch branches. That was his kind punishment, similar to what we know of Krampus. (laughs) They love beating the kids. (laughs) They do. He had several levels to his punishments. He would drag naughtier children into the woods. But unlike Krampus, the children could vindicate themselves. Mm. He liked to humiliate them. So he would make them do like all sorts of things like Simon Says, kind of. (laughs) Okay. Make them jump and like seeing and do stuff. You'd just sit there and make them do stuff. And he might not die. Man. Pelsnickel is still celebrated here, actually, in some areas. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Me either. But at first, it didn't take widely because of anti-German sentiment. And because it's creepy as fuck. (laughs) That's why it didn't take on. It wasn't the German thing. It was everybody's like, I'm horrified. Very true. Because on the other hand, Santa caught on right away because it was a nice man. He was a great mascot. And that's because of Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. A devilish man or beast that beats children just wasn't doing it for people here. We're like, we don't want to do that to our kids here. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. We're civilized, remember? (laughs) Not. That was a joke. So at first, Krampus was just not America's cup of tea, but in more recent years, it is becoming increasingly popular in America. (laughs) Because parents want to punish their children. (laughs) No, just in general. Why? Capitalism. At first, he wasn't marketable, but things changed. 
because we like that stuff now. Exactly. We're all a bit weirder now than we ever were. Yeah. Or we're allowed to be. Like, True. especially in the last 20 years or so. I agree with the allowed to be. And we love a new character to make money off of. And you do have to cater to everyone in some way. Horror movies have exploded over the last few decades. Right. He's something different to celebrate during what is otherwise this jolly time of year. And it, not everyone likes the holidays. It gives the spooky season people another person to exactly. celebrate. He's becoming a fixed character in pop culture. But I think it is also kind of sick because we're elevating this guy who likes the taste of children. True. And what if he is for real? Just, I know that's what I'm saying. Mm. You know, we're, we're starting to hear all this truth behind like movies and TV shows that are put out like they're putting the truth in plain sight and of course there's going to be some dude with a lot of money who's like yeah let's make that movie because it's about eating children I do that on the weekends Mm -hmm. yeah I'm more afraid of just the regular humans that do that than the demon Krampus My point is they're trying to do stuff to make it not seem as I see what you're saying yes like you should normalize it yeah he even became part of the BDSM scene instead of children Krampus is portrayed punishing half-naked women oh people are getting kinky with Mm -hmm. it (laughs) they sexualized him into being a lustful devil who wanted to have his way with women and then eat the children not surprising in several areas around the world they tried to outlaw Krampus And where they did it didn't last long. Krampus was heavily opposed, especially in the 1920s to 1950s in many areas. People felt that there was just already way too much fear in the world. And we didn't need to frighten the children and approve what was essentially like these pornographic versions of him because it became popular. You can't argue with that. No. (laughs) Here in America, specifically in the last 20 years or so, Krampus has had a huge resurgence because of Monte Beauchamp. So Beauchamp is an author, artist, and graphic designer. He's credited with bringing Krampus into the mainstream. He became fascinated with Krampus in the 1990s and early 2000s because he was shown vintage Krampus cards. So it used to be a thing in the 19th century where instead of exchanging like Santa greeting cards during the holidays, it's Krampus cards. Okay. So it's a really big thing and people made a lot of money off of it. It Mm. became what you do. And the Krampus cards would either have like some humor to them, some silly little poem, but it would typically show him abducting a child or his tongue wrapped around a child. And, you know, if you wanted to send it to your neighbor, he might have a girl bent over his lap or Mm -hmm. him with his legs open and her facing him. Yeah. So a lot of things were happening. (laughs) But he saw some of these and they're vintage, right? And he's like, oh, my gosh. They're cool. Yeah. He thought that they were really cool. So he ended up publishing all of these. He bought them first. Okay. And he published all these cards in a couple of books in 2004 and 2010. And to his surprise, people liked them, really liked them. It was really well received and they wanted more of Krampus. And so he and another art gallery owner put together this event to showcase Krampus artwork. And it's become a yearly event since. Mm. And it inspired a lot From what I could find, there have been at least 20 Krampus movies released since 2010. Wow. But really really most of them have been since 2015. Okay. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more because there's not very many scary Christmas guys to market. No. And we can't keep just killing sorority girls. So I remember the Jack Frost <laughs> movies. Those were the horror too. I do remember the that. The creepy, wasn't yeah, it like a Santa a Claus ago. or something? Yeah. yeah. Snowman. He's a snowman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, what did I say? Santa Claus. Oh, did I say Santa <laughs> I meant, yeah. Snowman. Yeah. 
Oh, believe me, I have said the word Jack Frost way too many times in my life because whenever I say my last name, I have oh, to explain yes. who I am. I'm like, Jack Frost. There was a, another kid movie yeah, with Jack was. Frost growing up. And so I always go ask the question, is your uncle named Jack? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It is. You're so funny. Some <laughs> distant cousin. <laughs> uncle, dude. I'm sure there's a Jack somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, they're becoming pretty popular and we do have our Hallmark crowd yes. and we have our horror crowd. So Quite different. Gotta please them both. Or maybe you like it both. I can watch both. I like Sweet both too. and scary. Yeah. Like it all. I'm kind of the person on the Hallmark one where it'll take me a minute because I can't. I roll my eyes at I can't stand cheesy acting. I can't either. <laughs> I hate cheesy. I honestly, I do not watch the Hallmark movies. What I watch are like all the old classic movies. Yes. Like It's a Wonderful Life. White Christmas. Yes, exactly. Those are more my style. Mm-hmm. I don't want these cheesy new Hallmark ones that they like crank out every mm-hmm. year with the same script and different actors. But man, it's a moneymaker. People like Everybody. Them. Yeah waits for these movies at the end I've, of every year. Yeah, I don't me. think I even have access to them. I don't. Does people have cable anymore? I don't know. I don't really watch <laughs> yeah, any. Honestly, I'm the girl who does not watch any Christmas movies. I tried to. I was going to watch Krampus, but I couldn't get I'll anywhere for one. free. Yeah. I was really bad. Today we were going to do something and we didn't. I know. There was a Krampus activity here in Denver. Yeah. There is an entire Krampus event going on and we could go take a picture with Krampus, but things changed a little bit and we missed the window. Yeah. So that is the origins of Santa and Krampus. <laughs> what might seem like two unlikely fellows to talk about in the same sentence, they do go hand in hand. They totally do. They, they all, have yeah. gone hand in hand for hundreds of years. Who this knew? was fascinating to me. I knew <laughs> none of this. Honestly, I'd never even really heard of Krampus. Yeah, I've been living under a rock, apparently, when it comes to him. Yeah, when you were talking to me about, well, what should we do for December? And I was like, oh, look into Krampus. And you're like, what's Krampus? I'm like, who? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was out at a business meeting, actually, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the ladies there said that she had lived in Austria oh. for a year, and she was scared to death because they had one of those Krampus activities oh. in the town she lived in. And I was like, oh my goodness, like in within the last like two weeks, I've heard about Krampus yep, from two separate people that I had never <laughs> heard of before. So yeah. Well, I've personally mentioned Krampus to quite a few people since I knew I was going to be talking about this. Uh-huh. And I'd say like it's half and half. Like Mm -hmm. half people know about it, half don't. So we're still getting there. Not everybody knows about it. Both of my kids knew about it instantly. I said, we're doing Krampus. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They probably have Krampus cards. I don't know. (laughs) It's probably cool. Hopefully not the porn ones. No, not the porn ones. (laughs) Probably the funny ones. I could see like Krampus being used as like a funny Mm kind of Grinch like thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm just glad I live in a time where I don't have to tell my daughter about him. So yeah, you got a few years for that. And I'm never going to threaten my daughter into good behavior uh, with a demon. No. So there's better ways. Or slicing her stomach open and putting straw and rubble and all these That's things. Horrible. In there. This is before they realize that it positive, leaves a mark. Yeah. What is it? Positive <laughs> reinforcement is much more <laughs> beneficial and is more effective than right. <laughs> scaring them to mm-hmm. death where they can't yeah. even sleep at night. Well, this was a fun way to start our December. <laughs> yeah. I think this was a good kickoff for, and I don't think we're doing all Christmas themed no, yep. episodes, but this one was cool because when we were talking about December, I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. Krampus. And I have one that's actually kind of Christmas themed, not really, but just around the day. Around the day. Yes. Yeah. I am excited for that one. Hopefully you guys liked this 
strange episode. I really enjoyed it. I liked learning about Santa, to be honest. So. Me too. I didn't know anything about St. Nicholas. Honestly, I've never sat down and thought about like where our holiday traditions come from. Mm-hmm. We did the Sal Win one with Halloween and never thought about and now Christmas. It's yeah. like, wow. And both of them started with the pagan traditions. It's of true. But I had no idea that our version literally came from some dude writing a poem. No, I had no idea. In the 1920s. Yeah. The night before Christmas, I didn't realize was the whole beginning of our Christmas tradition. Now we have a little bit more respect for a poem. And that the jolly fat Santa Claus we know today is Coca-Cola. Yep. That makes sense why they always have such a big deal with Coca-Cola around Christmas now. Yeah, because they created created his image. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Crazy. Craziness. Well, this was fun. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you guys enjoyed it. And we missed you guys last week. Yes, we did miss you guys last week. We're glad to be back. We hope we don't have to miss any more episodes because we have, like we've always alluded to, many great (laughs) ideas for future episodes. So stick with us. Hopefully not. We hope that your December is going well and will go well. And maybe it's a different December for you than it's been in a long time. A good one. You know where to find us. We're on all the social medias out there. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All at Lucid Lab Podcast. One word. Yes. And please, please, please leave a review if you like us. That would be much appreciated. And please send in your lab reports. We're about to do a new one. Yep. Couple weeks. Please email us at lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com. And, and that's it. Merry Krampus Day. Merry Krampus. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Whichever you prefer. Keep those ears perked for chains and bells. Ooh. Maybe Krampus is coming for you. Better be a good boy or a girl. Don't get spanked. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.